Well, 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 if it isn't you, you random video game fan, welcome to the Super Show podcast. I don't know what episode it is. Who needs numbers anymore? And I've got some good news for you. If you are a random video game fan, you're in the right place because this is the podcast where we talk about all the latest and greatest gaming news from around the world. We're going to be talking about everything from Xbox leaks to surprising revelations, courtesy of our old friends Ubisoft. And I'm glad to be able to say that my partner in crime, as we go on this wonderful adventure, is, as always, Mr. Alex Jones. Hello, Jamie. How the hell are you doing? Not doing too badly, mate. How have you been? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy. I'm happy today. I've, um, I feel like I've had a successful gaming week, and this week to come is looking pretty tasty as well. So, um, hmm. Very true. We are kind of entering... Hot, what would what they call it? What would the kids call it? Hot girl season, maybe. I feel like that's a, a thing that people talk about on Twitter. Hot game hot season. Hot, it's hot game autumn, folks. Uh, hot game fall, as our friends across the pond might say. Although I have a, a, an alternative theory, Jonesy. You think that you're happy in an upbeat mood because you've been playing and finishing games. I think you're in a good mood because I got Katy Perry songs stuck in your head just prior to us going live. To be fair, I mean, if you're going to have someone stuck in your head, Katy Perry's probably not, you know, a bad... A bad song stress. You know, she's yep. e- easy on the ears and easy on the eyes. So there we go. Whoa, steady on, mate. Orlando Bloom exists, okay? He's got a big cock and he will, I mean, physically assault you, I'm guessing. I, I don't know if he's been accused of anything untowards, but he seems like the kind of person who would have a few too many and beat someone up. I think he'd try, but I, th- I think in real life he's tiny. I reckon he's like five foot three, weighs about 120. Really? What do they say? A buck 20. And you, a buck I, 20, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's he's uh he's going to be that much to he's don't think he's going to be that difficult to put away. Let's put it that way. Very true. Plus, it's not like his career is really you know you know seeing the high notes. So he's just put it this way: we're talking about Orlando Bloom off the back of the Gran Turismo movie. So if any were if ever there were a time to kind of sing a few insults this way, it's probably now. Yeah, poor Orlando. He's 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 been all right in some stuff, and he parts of the Caribbean. He was all right. He wasn't as that good in Troy. How, how, just out of curiosity, how do you go to Pirates of the Caribbean before you go to Lord of the Rings? I feel like I'm asking that question on behalf of the internet. I've not seen Lord of the Rings, so... You've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings? I don't like the them. How do not, you know you haven't seen them? They're, just, oh, they're long and about orcs and borks and stuff, and I'm just not into that. Yeah, but that's what I said about The Godfather. It's long and about Sicilians and orcs, and then people said, yeah, but you've got to get over it. And I did, and it was... I will watch out of ten movie. I I will I will watch them and I, and do you know what maybe I'll enjoy them but fantasy is not really my cup of tea. Um, so I've mm. I've sort of steered clear. I have watched some fantasy stuff and I don't mind it, but you know, it's a bit. Uh, wow. I never know. I'm, I'm just not. I'm, maybe it'll be my new jam. Oh God, what am I kicking? I do you know what I've realised as well. I've had an absolute mare. I made myself some um, tasty squash, and yeah. I left it in my kitchen. So now, if you want to go and get it, while I tell while I tell people where they can find us, that's a great shout. I'm going to go get squash. While Jonesy goes and collects the squash, I want to say a quick thank you to you for tuning into this episode of the Super Show podcast. Whether you're watching us live, because of course this is broadcast live around the world on YouTube. If you are tuning in live, I say hello and encourage you to join in the live chat. I don't know if Jonesy's got the window open at the moment, but we'll find out as the show goes on. And if you have any 
questions or feedback as we roll on, then maybe we'll keep an eye on that. We'll give you a shout out as we go. But of course, this is a regular podcast in the sense that you can catch it on YouTube after the fact at Super Show Pod. You can catch it on podcasting platforms if you just want the audio version. Head over to Spotify, to iTunes, to Google Podcasts, all those great places and you can get our voices beamed into your ears. And if you don't like listening to us, you don't like seeing us, but for some reason you do still like talking to us, then the handle at Super Show Pod can also be used to find us on Twitter or X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That's where we are um, occasionally doing social media shenanigans. So come find us. Um, You're squashed up, Jonesy? I'm squashed up. I think I've got summer fruits, like a nice pint glass full of summer fruit squash. So there we go. And uh, I don't know what Americans would call squash. It's like Kool-Aid, but there's no sugar in it. True. Plus, it's not a powder. It's a... Um, a so it's a, a liquid. Concentrate? A concentrate. I think that's what they call it. Maybe, yeah. You mix it with water. Mm. makes tasty fruit juice. And some people might have got a little look at my um, my Tasty Secret Labs chair, which is, in fact, not mine. I have not ditched the cyberpunk chair, but um, I'm currently using my wife's one. She's got a pretty sick joker joker chair so that's why i'm in today in yeah like, he's got rid of cyberpunk on the day that cyberpunk gets good uh, it's not true switching allegiance josie has always been a massive dc dc guy at heart massive snyder cut fan massive snyder cut fan uh, th- do you know what i saw a movie this week that makes a little joke about the snyder cut so there you go actually no- knowing uh, again having a little bit of insight into how this podcast works and knowing what that movie is I can kind of guess what some of those jokes might revolve around, and I'm interested to hear about them. That is just another one of the plentiful things that fans of the Super Show have to look forward to as we delve deeper into this podcast. But Jonesy, might I suggest, given some people, admittedly a very small amount of them, may well have stumbled into this podcast uh, as a result of the title or the thumbnail of it, that maybe we jump right into the deep end with our old pals Microsoft. How does that sound? That sounds that sounds epic. However, can I just quickly give a shout out to uh, Casually Filthy who's in the chat just um, as we're absolutely before we get into that. So Casually Filthy, I'm, I apologise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't like Lord of the Rings, but there we go. Anyway, let's go. We'll, look, we'll, we'll try. We'll try and get Jonesy to make up for it in due course. We've we've got the Jim Carrey marathon lined up. <laughs> maybe it's Lord. Maybe it's Lord of the Rings and I, like the world's most belated Lord of the Rings spoiler cast that comes after that. We'll have to wait and see. Um, that'll be our speed as well like years decades after the fact we finally watched uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings that's the beauty of Patreon though is that again if it's if it's exclusive to the uh, to a Patreon then it becomes Patreon content then it becomes something that you can sell your brand off and hopefully there are people out there who like us enough and don't find us boring enough that we can talk about a film that's over 20 years old <laughs> and somehow get away with it. It's daylight robbery. Yeah, that's 20. Is it really 20 years old? That is shocking. Uh, I think the first one was 2001. Um, and wow. they came out, They all came out pretty close together as well because uh, I, I want to say it was one of those, hey, we're going to film the second or the third of these films back-to-back kind of joints. A bit like the Matrix. I don't know if they would full six months like the Matrix did, um, in terms of the you know the release turnaround. But yeah, um, they managed to cram in those those Lord of the Rings, and they were a big deal. Like by that third one, I can't believe we're just discussing Lord of the Rings now, <laughs> so many years after that. But by that third one, to the time that third one came around, we're talking about like double figure Oscar nominations and like best pick like best picture level. Like people really 
People really like all the Rings, Tansy. I know, I know they do. Now, I will watch them, and then I need to watch, was it The, the Hobbit? And then I need to watch the Smaugy one. And then I need yeah. to, there's, there's too many. What's what's mad yeah. is I've played some of the games, which is what's funny. Yeah, I heard you're a big Lord of the Rings Gollum fan. Care to comment? Of Gollum. Can't wait for Gimli game. Or is that not can't, can't, wait, can't wait for Gimli game? Do you know what? There's, there's, I'm not even joking. There is another Lord of the Rings game coming out relatively soon. I can't remember. And I, I read an article at some point this past week. It's called Tales of the Shire. Your cozy Hobbit life awaits. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, apparently, they're still squeezing every last drop of blood from that stone. Um, uh, I'm going I'm, because he's the only one in person in chat. I'm going to um, I'm going to do something completely rogue before we get into my oh. I'm going to ask you yeah. a ca- uh, casually filthy question. He says, um, "Are you playing Baldur's Gate three? Because I'm not. And I did you play Baldur's Gate three? You didn't, did you? No, I didn't. No, no. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Like. It's not that it came out at a super busy time. I'd be because that was an August release, right on PC. So I'd be lying if yeah. I said that like it was con- immediately contending with Starfield. But it was one of those games. I'm hoping it's going to be a bit like Disco Elysium was for me, where I kind of like sort of shrug it off a little bit to begin with because I don't like big numbers and long numbers and dice rolls and things. Those kind of things, the tabletop aesthetic can put yeah. me up the wrong way a little bit. And then eventually I'm like, right, let's see what all the fuss is about. And I'm like, oh, this is one of the best games of all time. I think I will get there with Baldur's Gate. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. The that the right, the, a Baldur's Gate-sized window in my life has yet to open, don't you? I don't know how you feel about it. I'm the same. I'm sure there will be one at one point, but it's 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 not yet, not yet. Yes, but guaranteed that when we have got round to it, the uh, the people who absorb this podcast will be the first to know. Because as you can probably figure out by now, very few things happen in our lives that we don't document in excruciating detail <laughs> upon these airwaves. Um, but Josie, I guess the notable thing about Baldur's Gate Three is that it's just about available to everyone at this point, no matter which platform you're on, with the big exception of the green x we're talking about xbox and they've been making headlines this past week for the right reasons the wrong reasons i guess it's not even really a question of right or wrong is it just reasons just reasons yeah just reasons unfortunate um, reasons for them yeah i guess it's a good word for it. unfortunate not necessarily damaging the kind of things that most people will just sort of forget as the reality of the situation begins to emerge but unfortunate in the meantime um so to uh, get the beating around the bush out of the way, what we're talking about is that in the, um, I guess, in the midst of, I was about to say the aftermath of, but it is still the midst of Microsoft's battle with the FTC, a number of once confidential uh, documents pertaining to Xbox and its future plans were leaked, and these documents were unredacted, which means, you know that cool thing in Call of Duty Black Ops where they do like a black line through all the bits that you really want to read but you can't? There was none of that here because this was all done uh, by mistake. And as we found out, Jonesy, this past week, is actually done by Microsoft themselves. They, they inadvertently provided the court with a link to these unredacted documents. Uh, and then the judge, Jacqueline Scott Corley, uploaded uh, the documents to an internet page established for the case. Um, and we now know all kinds of things about the future of uh, Xbox's hardware plans, the future of Bethesda's software plans, companies that Phil Spencer wants to buy for one reason or another, and so on and so forth. Although, an important caveat to discuss before we get into the the nitty-gritty, Microsoft has already come out and said that these leaks consist of, quote, old emails and documents, 
And as we know, Jonesy, from looking through it, some of these emails go back as far as 2020. We're talking about stuff that was pre-pandemic and, of course, in the case of Microsoft, pre-acquisitions. So fair to say pinch of salt required with a lot of this stuff? Massively so. Um, we were talking just before the show that anything like this, anytime you put together sort of this document, sort of documentation, you're effectively trying to take you know what you know at the current moment and you're trying to package it in a way and you're adding a bit of fluff and you're adding a bit of filler and where you don't yep. know things you you know there's a whole bunch of that going on and then you've got three years going back you know to a time when they didn't know how bad the pandemic was going to hit i mean the future um the, the 2030 roadmap from xbox can look incredibly different by the time you actually get to 2030 um 100%. none none of this even though it is rendered in uh, high res pdf none of it is uh, set in stone for sure yeah, hundred uh, percent. As, as someone who, again, has like seen some of the inner workings, not quite of companies like Xbox or Microsoft, not of that magnitude, but certainly in like in this industry, something being committed to a PDF or a PowerPoint doesn't mean anything. That just means that someone on the graphic design team got looped in at some point and were like, "Yeah, can you make? Can you take all this t- stuff we speculated about and make it look pretty, please?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." Um, the reality is that in the games industry, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen next month let alone in five to six years or now but that doesn't mean that xbox haven't done well tried jonesy and i'll be honest i think it makes sense to kind of start with what some people will consider the biggest takeaway from all of this xbox's plans for their next generation of hardware and i'm a little bit concerned not because i don't like what they're saying jonesy but because i think i'm getting closer and closer to losing one of our longest standing bets um about the future of cloud gaming and that the role the cloud will play um, in future generations of even home console gaming. Um, to be fair to so, you, I mean, uh, well, our bet was specifically around time frame, and I think my time frame has well and truly uh, been blown to pieces because I think I said five years about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> so was we, the, we, I was, we, were, we were still in an all-time gaming studio when I think you first put a date on it. So, <laughs> um, But I mean, and it was just a matter of time. But I think, yeah, cloud gaming does feature really heavily, heavily throughout this leak um which is no surprise you know um i think we all know it's coming it's just it is a matter of time and now it's quite interesting because of course with this leak we have got i think one of the most solid things we've got from this um you could probably take you know the look of the consoles the hardware how things are going to work you could probably take a whole bunch of that with a load of salt however i do think probably the most interesting part is the 2028 next gen console release I think that is that's probably that's when we thought anyway. You know, it was about when we were sort of we were yeah. suggesting, um, and that is probably the sort of day you're going to be seeing them anyway. So we know, you know, cloud gaming is probably going to feature quite heavily from 2028 on, which I think is a pretty good, um, yeah, indicator. And and the, you know what the other thing I like about it is that rather than going all in on cloud gaming in the same way that something like Stadia did, um, as we now know prematurely. They're looking at cloud gaming in terms of what well, at least it sounds like they're looking at it in the way of terms of how it can kind of like facilitate more advancements on the on the dev end, but also on the on the consumer end, and how it can be used to kind of like sit alongside the traditional gaming experiences in kind of the same ways that we're having conversations at the moment about like upscaling technology. Like it feels like in the last few years like sort of like base level knowledge amongst gamers of how upscalers work the different kinds of upscalers the way they're utilizing different types of technology to upscale you know internal resolutions and stuff like that um like our knowledge on that has has evolved greatly and it feels like cloud powered sort of like elements are going to be the next sort of 
background um, to get into some of the specifics that were mentioned in this um, both conversations and documentation from around 2022. Um, one case in particular, May of 2022, they talked about uh, there were references to cloud hybrid games and quote immersive game and app platforms. Um, so uh, there was another page in the document that listed early ideas for the potential shape of next gen gaming. There were topics, again, the kind of stuff you'd expect to hear, machine learning, AI and scalable hardware architecture, and uh, to, to sort of like follow up on the cloud element, cloud native slash enhanced games. So potentially the idea of using some elements of the cloud to rather than like run the game wholesale, enhance elements of the cloud. We always go back to, do you remember when they like first revealed that crackdown game and they were like, oh, we're going to have like full scale destructive environments that you've never seen before. And the way we're going to do it is by having the destruction handled by the cloud while the game is handled by the Xbox. And like by like the next E3, they just never mentioned it again. But maybe that is part of the future. It's like, hey, the really hard to do or heavy duty shit is going to actually be handled by some kind of like cloud architecture. And we're going to have these hybrid games where some parts of it are rendered natively to ensure like a baseline level of like performance and response time and maybe more heavy duty stuff i don't even know like ai or kind of um you know assets that need to be loaded in relatively quickly but maybe not ssd quickly are handled by the cloud yeah it's good that's going to be interesting to see i guess yeah absolutely and i, th I think it's obviously seeing how they get there so like we yeah I and mean, how you get from where we are at the moment to like completely cloud gaming we're going to go through like thousands of tens of thousands of steps um and it, it feels like we're sort of on that path at the moment um, and yeah, mm. it, I have I, that is so far above my pay grade as to know how that actually gets implemented. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think you've, you're right. It's going to be it'll be a, a way that they try and integrate the two. The hybrid idea is a good idea um, from a hardware perspective as well because it means that they don't do away with the hardware immediately, which is obviously at the moment is probably not a good thing for them anyway. Like they still want you to buy a console, they still want to have that yeah. install base, um, and to have these hybrid systems does work quite well. Yeah, without having the complete like transition to all oh, you need is a controller and then google and well, yeah maybe not google but whoever uh uh meta bring out the meta controller and you can play any game you want anywhere on the cloud and then xbox and playstation are dead so yeah and obviously uh, like because again even though google's out of that race as you said like there are plenty of other suitors amazon still haven't tagged out yet we were talking the other week about you know you got netflix skirting yeah. around the the edges as well so who knows but i agree i think even though 2028 is still five years away, I think people want to buy a box that sits under a television. And I also think that Xbox and PlayStation still want to sell a box that sits under a television if they can do so for $400 to $500. Um, one thing that was also mentioned here, which could also tie back into the idea of sort of like hybrid games potentially, or you know, hybrid uh, usage of the cloud, is more flexible console um, options and the idea of potentially drifting away from fixed hardware specifications. There's this one email thread where they talk about how it's very useful, obviously, to have a locked off box and a dev kit that you can send to developers and have them target it. But one of the things they're experiencing at the moment with like the Xbox Series X, the Xbox Series S, the Xbox One, blah, 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 is having multiple SKUs of hardware at different power and maybe that becoming more common um, in the future. And I wonder if that's another place where maybe hybrid elements in games. So you, we had that Baldur's Gate 3 situation, didn't we, where it didn't come to Xbox for ages because Series S and X need to have parity and local split-screen co-op or multiplayer didn't run all well, or, or if at all, on the Series S. So Larian were like, well, we 
we can't release just a Series X version and then Phil made an exception, but maybe that's another place where Cloud kind of steps in and says, hey, we can help you get your game technically to run on one of these lower end pieces of hardware, even if it's not native, you know? I See, this is the one part which is kind of odd to me because I would have thought that they would have looked at the X and the S and said, wow, this was a real pain in the ass. Let's not do that again. <laughs> Whereas they apparently are, yeah, doubling down on it. So I wonder, it does make me wonder if effectively you'll end up almost, you could, you know, you can buy these different elements, you can buy these different hardware pieces for the for the console, but actually anything your local system can't do, the cloud does the, picks up the, the rest, which would be yeah. really interesting as a way of maintaining a broader spectrum of people who can buy the initial, uh, you know, the, the Xbox itself, because you've got people who can only afford the $200 version, and then you've got people who can afford the $800 version, and they can go out and they can go, oh, I've got this mod and this add-on, and I've got this and this and this, and you've got someone who's like, well, I, I can't afford any of that, I've, you know, I've still got the initial setup that I bought originally. Actually, they're playing the same game, because the cloud is then making up a lot more on the lower end front. Um, yeah, especially you've got to imagine more and more of that's going to happen as hybrid technology gets better. So I wonder if there's almost an element of um, uh, of like massaging people's egos of imagining they're in a different space. So it's like a PC gamers, right? How annoyed would you be as a PC gamer if you had a 4090 and there was a guy with a 2080 with a bit of AI installed could have exactly the yeah. same output the 4090 would You'd be furious. But I th- I kind of think you get away with it with an Xbox or with a, with a console because you're not you're not like looking inside the machine you're just knowing how much you're spending right exactly and i guess there might still be a bit of it if like you know digital foundry release a video where it's like oh because the cloud implementation is so imperceptible the console that costs half the price of the big boy console will run this game as flawlessly as you know across the board and then maybe you end up looking at and you said i spent 200 extra pounds that i didn't need to because the cloud is so great but one Phil thing that might be that they add in uh, because you and again you can do it on a console you can't really do it on it you could wouldn't be able to do it on a PC necessarily um, but you could actually add in uh, like restrictors so the restricted things oh, like right. so for example let's say Baldur's Gate three like okay we need parity across the two systems so these things need to match but what cannot match is we can have one upscaler only upscales to um 4k whereas in the super high-end version it's going to upscale to 8k uh, we're going to cap a frame rate on the lower end version but actually the cloud could do everything and you could have exactly the same run but, but they're going to putting limits on the cloud to make sure that the differences between the consoles are still clearly defined and he- the helmet maybe even then you turn around and go you can pay for the xbox super mega gold cloud subscription which unlocks higher frame rates you can basically upgrade to the more powerful version of the console, but the power differential you're paying for is all made up for yeah. by in the cloud. It's going to be a what weird mess. world. It's going to be such a strange world. And you know what? We have already experienced something like this, and admittedly, we've already brought them up in the context of how it didn't do them any favors. But do you remember when uh, Cyberpunk 2077 launched? And obviously, the console versions weren't great. Uh, the Xbox uh, uh, Series X and PS5 versions weren't native, um, and you know the PC version had quite high uh, spec requirement, like you know requirements. Um, and so there was that weird article that people like that came out, and people were like, oh yeah, that actually makes sense. Where one of the best places to play Cyberpunk 2077 at launch safely was Google Stadia. Yes, it's like oh, of course it, yeah, of course, because the PC is the best version of this game, and it's running on fucking supercomputers. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, which is weird. And weird in the sense of, to be fair to Stadia, like 
uh, if you ever wanted any, you know, a gimme from like a company, you know, you say one of the most anticipated games of all time and you make it barely run on console, then people should have been signing up for you in droves to play the best version of that game. But they didn't, unfortunately, so. Yes, that was probably the writing on the wall uh, for Stadia. Um, but yes, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, cloud processing, cloud hybrid games, cloud integration, all this stuff affects the long-term future of hardware plans for Xbox and I guess for PlayStation and Nintendo as well to a certain extent, maybe a slightly lesser extent. But one of the things that is probably not going to touch Jonesy is the more immediate future of Xbox hardware. And this is the kind of an interesting one that seems like a no-brainer or a bit of a gimme when you first hear about it. But then you link it back up to what Phil Spencer has said in some cases very recently and what it actually is. And it begins to become a more and more curious uh, case. And that is the project that is codenamed Brooklyn. Uh, not spelt the same way as the place, though. It's L-I-N at the end. Um, so what Brooklyn is, supposedly, is a refreshed Xbox Series X, slated for 2024. So this is uh, essentially coming out uh, at the same time we'd expect the half-step consoles to come out. For example, a PlayStation 5 Pro. But, in line with what Phil Spencer has said in interviews, this is not an, an upgraded or a Pro version of a Series X. It will feature more internal storage, let's talk about a 2 terabyte SSD, faster Wi-Fi, reduced power consumption, and a redesign that will see it be uh, a cylinder now rather than a fridge. Um, all of which is to say, it's kind of like slight technical improvements, but not, a, but not an overhaul, not a pro console, and something that will probably still be called a Series X. Um, so it means there will be a a new feeling Xbox product on the market this year. But in terms of how that goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with a PS5 Pro, interesting one. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means for the second half of the generation for Xbox if the PS5 Pro is a knockout because that completely changes the spectrum in terms of the power conversation for home console hardware. It does, although it, this could be... A, if, if you sort of follow where Xbox want to go and, you know, the... the change in direction they're making maybe the maybe the whole point about the brooklyn is look we we've already heard phil spencer talking about it as well like look we know that we're not going to win this generation let's not try and and fight playstation on that battlefield let's just give the people that are going to want it um an updated co uh, console um it will really appeal to some people some people will have been halfway through that cycle and they'll be ready to up to have a new version they'll be you know they'll have itchy fingers to spend some money that they don't necessarily need to but you know, I'm I'm someone who I'll often buy the pro version of a console, even though I don't really need it. And you know that in a couple of years, the, the next generation is coming out anyway. Um, it's almost like a bit of fan service in some respects. Um, and you've got to imagine that when that happens, the X, if they're still selling it even, then is going to take a bit of a price dip just before that comes out. So maybe that means a bunch of S people can jump on the X train. Yeah, I think it, there's obviously there's obviously a lot of thought behind this. It's a bit weird because, like you said, it's it's a it's a updated um, internal storage and it's up some updated Wi-Fi stuff, but yeah, it's like an OLED. It's like an it's like a Switch OLED. <laughs> That's a very good point. But like this, like Nintendo has had to kind of like handle in terms of some of the feedback they've had on the hardware front. Would you not be worried that there's an element here of you look at you know there hasn't been a huge amount of heat that, that, that put it this way there has been some negative heat that Xbox have had when it's come to first party titles like Redfall and starfield to the point where announcing the fact that these games run at 30 frames per second max on on even the series x the you know xbox most powerful console 
uh, it's always it's always met with a little bit of blowback. There's always some people who go like, oh, you know, great, yeah, looking forward to that 60 FPS patch for Redfall, whenever the fuck that's ready. <laughs> Do you not worry that like again, we know this is a generation that's going to go on now to 2028 that by Christmas of 2027, the PS5 Pro is doing whatever the PS5 Pro is doing. Xbox Series X titles are still coming out, running at 30 frames a second. All of a sudden, Xbox fans are going, "Why didn't you just do a Pro like the like PlayStation did? Like, why doesn't our, why don't our games look as good as The Last of Us Three? And it's like, well, we didn't release new hardware three years ago, four years ago. Well, you, maybe you should have. Do, do you not think that is a part of Xbox which is really pushing accessibility? Like PlayStation is trying to really play the like the we we're pushing the envelope when it comes to home console ability you know like high res high frame rate and we're trying to squeeze as much out as possible to be like the best looking the best you know the, the best first party games da, 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 da. whereas xbox seem like we've said it so many times before they seem to be trying to win the the war not the battle and i think that they're True. they're trying as and i this the only thing i can i can think is the reason they've stuck to 30 frames a second with a lot of their um you know their titles is because they're like well how can most people play this game if we've got a game um, which is going to be uh, balls to the wall, insane, like, you know, look fantastic, uh, ray trace graphics, all this sort of stuff. We're really pushing it. We're really pushing the X to its limits to get an amazing game out there. Then you'll look saying, well, what does the port to the S look like? So then I wonder if maybe the idea is, look, just make a game for the S that's going to run at 30 frames a second, and then we put that same game onto the X and it runs slightly. I get that. I get that, but I just don't know what that looks like in in four years' time. It's kind of, um, and I'm it's, so, it's kind of rough. And 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 I, and I, you're absolutely right. I agree with you about Xbox that have traditionally always looked at the long term and tried to win different battles in different places rather than necessarily going head to head with Sony on like prestige AAA third first party titles. Um, but on the flip side, Xbox with the both these uh, Xbox One X and then in turn the Series X have like made a note of the fact that hey we have made and we are selling the most powerful home console on the market like that has been a marketing beat for xbox with their last two major hardware releases and now they are basically saying to themselves saying saying to fans and to themselves we're not going to do that this time we're not going to go head-to-head with the ps5 pro we don't need that mantle anymore because we don't like what i can't remember what phil's exact comments or quotes were when he talked about like the you know the half generation uh, upgrade, but he was like, you know, he did basically didn't see the point. He didn't think it would be you know significant. Um, maybe he's right. I just I just worry about what it looks like exacerbated by an additional four years when you know twenty twenty seven when the Series X is a seven year old piece of hardware and the PS five Pro is a three year old piece of hardware. I don't know. It's got to be annoying though when, like you said, Xbox bring out the most powerful console on the market. And they still lose. Like that's got to be annoying. And it, and yeah. So I wonder if part of it is that they're like, well, look, we're pushing for 2028 next gen. Let's just tart up the the X a little bit. Let's not worry about it. Almost like it's a right. we can just patch this together. With it's it, by then we know exactly what we're doing. Sony are going to be sort of lamenting. Oh, how do we squeeze more? Well, how do we get to 8K uh, textures out of the PlayStation 5 Pro? Yeah. So then Xbox like, no, no, ignore this. Focus on where we're going. Maybe not focus on like this generation. Like, that makes I, sense. I wonder if that's if that's a big part of it for them. Well, very, it may, it may well be. And they may well have, you know, drawn up that 2028 game plan at the same time. And we're like, actually, 
a half-step console now doesn't make sense with what we want to do in 2028. And I, I also will put my hands up and acknowledge the fact that I am kind of sitting here going, just make another console, just make another console. <laughs> Whereas Xbox themselves, they know what the you know the R and D costs involved uh, of making that console would be. They know what the manufacturing costs and distribution costs would be. And the other thing they know, based on their experience with the with the One X and the One S, is how profitable it actually is to release a new half step console when you are not the best selling console on the planet. You know, yeah. because then you're looking at like a fraction of a fraction of the market. At least PlayStation can say the PS Five is the fastest selling console in the market. We're releasing another one of those. Xbox would be saying we're releasing the third skew of the third best-selling console on the market. Actually, let's not divvy things up that much. Yeah, and then you've got to wonder exactly like you said, like R and D behind the scenes. How much are they willing to put into it, or whether then they'd say, "No, no, we've got something much more exciting coming down the pike. We're not going to focus on this. We're going to focus on that." But the, but the, you make a really good point though, which is you you're still. But if they are doing that, they are relying on the goodwill of the Xbox fans to say. I'm going to eat another four years or three years of um, 30 FPS first party titles, and knowing yeah. that uh, knowing that my my mates are, are laughing, you know, not laughing at me, but they're sort of <laughs> they're over there talking Get about their, <laughs> yeah their performance mode, you know, you know, 60 uh, yeah. looking really slick. But then, but then maybe that's the whole point. Maybe that's why Microsoft are wrapping up like Bethesda because then they're like, but hey, you look, you can't play the same games. It doesn't matter. You'll play yeah. ours. You'll play ours. You're playing them at thirty. That's how this is works. Yeah. And 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 like with the way things are going, um, and with the way Phil some of Phil worded some of his anger when it came to sort of gaps in the Xbox first party output and Game Pass library output. You know, Game Pass could look pretty darn slick in five years' time, uh, depending on how quickly some things happen. So, um, some of which we'll get onto in just a moment. But I did also just want to drop in Jonesy. Um, uh, a new Xbox controller that will supposedly also come out next year alongside codename Brooklyn. This one is codenamed, I'm going to say Sebil? Sebile? Sebil? 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 Jimmy Sebil? Um, <laughs> yeah, set for that. Sorry. It's set for that same window. Um, and unsurprisingly, based on some of the directions their competitors have moved, we're talking about things like haptic feedback, but also modular thumbsticks and a swappable battery. There was a picture of it in one of the uh, decks that looked a bit kind of like uninspired. It kind of reminded me of um, uh, what was it? What was that weird box called? Um, it was like a box that ju that uh, got loads of crowdfunding, and then but then it was just like it ran a really basic version of Android, and it. Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, the ooh ooh. Oh, it started with ooh. Oh, this is just uh, with the Ouya. The Ouya. Ouya. Don't remember that. You don't remember the Ouya? Okay. No. Okay. Um, never mind. That's maybe that's a, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but yeah, new console. Um, not much to say about that. So, excuse me, new controller. Not much to say about that. That to be um, fair, um, that a lot. Of, it does look a bit basic, the controller, but at least with the the haptic stuff. I mean, that's a easy easy win i mean playstation got so much love for their dual sense 5 controller haptic feedback and the thumbsticks i must say the one thing that really does my head in about the dual sense 5 is the thumbsticks um i've on both my controllers that i had so i've had them for like two years now uh both gone wander got uh, gone wandering they just like yes. so yep. drifty um and so modular thumbsticks is a great idea as and if they're not in the price bracket of the playstation uh dual sense 5 pro controller which i think is like 150 quid some insane price for a for a. Not the dual sense. 
the, the, the pro one. version, the juice. Oh, is it pro? Yeah, I can't it's called. Yeah, I, I can't. It's the Edge. Uh, the edge. 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 But you're right. It's out, it's it's outrageously priced. Yeah, I mean that that's it. I I would imagine that Microsoft would do something a much more reasonable, like price, you know, workable price bracket, and with yeah. the movable thumbsticks, like that's yeah, that's that's good. That's a decent show. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of the more because it it just happened with Apple, where I think they've just made the glass panel on the back of iPhones more modular, so it's easier to replace if you know it shatters. Right. Um, that's one of the changes that I think. I hope to see more tech companies adopt as like a modular approach to the things that fuck up and break all the time. Of course, it would be easier if they didn't fuck up and break, but um, baby steps, eh? Baby steps. I want that like um, sci fi future when everything's modular and you just pull something out and put a new thing. I love that. I love like click, uh, plug and phone, play. Phone wise, that was crowdfunded, wasn't it? There was it was, yeah. It was like you were made up of all these different building blocks. It was like, choose your battery, choose your CPU. Yeah, it was, and it looked cool. Yeah. I imagine in real life it would probably fall apart. <laughs> you'd get really frustrated <laughs> with it. Or you'd be trying to make it cool and you'd like the speaker keeps jumping out the back and you get annoyed. <laughs> but it sounds cool. Uh, sorry, so, sorry, I lost you there. It wasn't that I lost signal. It was that my GPO for you fell out of my <laughs> phone. Um, yeah. It would, uh, it would happen. Anyway, Jonesy, that's enough uh, of hardware for one moment. Let's switch over to software. And this is one of the things that I think, you know, it's easy for it to get the most headlines because, you know, it's eye-catching, but this is the um, one of the places where I think the aforementioned salt is most required because uh, a lot of this comes courtesy of a roadmap of planned Bethesda releases that was dated 2020. Um, and while we don't know exactly in 2020, it's possible these were even um, pre-pandemic and, of course, changes uh, when it comes to which of these titles we're going to actually see and how far along they are are absolutely inevitable um not even to be expected they they just i guarantee you they will have happened somewhere along the line um i guess one thing that's slightly encouraging is a lot of the titles that were listed there for around this ballpark like starfield uh, and redfall um were existed on that 2020 roadmap so you know it's not a million miles off obviously things we uh, uh know are coming in the near future or perhaps even long future who could say like the elder scrolls 6 and Machine Games' Indiana Jones title were listed on there. Uh, but in terms of new stuff, Jonesy, first of all, uh, a handful of sequels uh, that I think most people could have guessed were coming, but maybe I just want to sort of gauge your temperature on them. Uh, Doom Zero Year, which is presumably the third Doom game, um, Dishonored 3, and a sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo. Anything there get you excited? Also, like, do, uh, I mean... Of the three, I mean, Doom is probably the only one that I'll pick up, but, I mean, they're all solid entries, like Dishonored 3, Ghostwire, um, Tokyo, um, from what I've heard, was very good, did very well. So, um, yeah, no, solid solid games, solid titles. Yep, also catching the eye. In fact, maybe catching the eye slightly more than some of the sequels, because, again, they were, as I said, they were no one's that surprised that a third Doom game is happening, um, but there were remasters listed on there. One was for The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, uh, and the other was for Fallout 3, uh, especially Jonesy in the wake of Starfield. A lot of people very excited to hear about uh, some classic, uh, some classic uh, Bethesda Game Studios uh, titles potentially uh, rearing their heads again. I know you're a big Fallout 3 guy. I mean, I love Fallout 3 and, and I've really enjoyed Starfield. Uh, one thing that sort of rubs me about this is a little bit the wrong way is some of the criticism I heard of Starfield I mean, 90% of it I didn't really agree with, but there was a little bit which was that whilst it, on the surface it looks, uh, Starfield looks really good, it looks really nice, it doesn't really push uh, the envelope 
Bethesda wise, and it is a Bethesda game just set in a slightly different place. Which I kind, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's true. And then to say we're gonna remake um, or remaster, sorry, Oblivion and uh, Fallout Three, I'm like, I wonder if I want to go back there. If that makes sense, like right. I kind of want to see yeah. what's next for um, for uh, Bethesda. I don't necessarily want to go back that far. Um, but I mean, but have me. I I don't know. Maybe I'll be uh, maybe I'll be all about a uh, Fallout Three remaster by that point like fallout 3 is a, such a fantastic game and if it's a good remaster like i don't think it needs a remake as we often say like rpgs yes. are a little bit different you, you can get away with um you know just doing a remaster and I, and it could look fantastic and it could run run amazingly i don't may, yeah maybe i would maybe i would i don't know it's tricky yeah it is tricky it's, it, especially when and i don't know if you ever feel this kind of like not guilt but if you ever have this feeling when you stare at half of these games every day um, in, on, like, you know, the Xbox app with Game Pass, for example, knowing that the first and only time I played Fallout 3, I played on an Xbox 360. So technically, a far better looking and far better performing version of my memories of Fallout 3 has been at my fingertips now for years. <laughs> and I've never sat down and gone, yeah, I'm going to play Fallout 3 again. Yeah. Like, is it really the prospect of it looking marginally better and costing more money that's going to get me back in? Now I don't get to answer that because I bought the Red Dead Redemption remaster <laughs> or re-release rather, um, but yeah, uh, that also adds like a weird kind of uh, feeling to the whole thing that makes me unsure about how excited I actually should be rather than how excited I am. It's it's a little bit strange as well with RPGs because you're kind of saying, at least at least with other games, like for example, we talked about remakes, um, you know, like Dead Space or like even with Red Dead, like the re the remaster. Um, or like the yeah the re-release, at least you're playing a game that's going to benefit from an an improvement in like uh, frame rate and graphics and things. With something like Fallout Three, the main thing I enjoyed about it was the story, and I'm not going to get the story's not going to change. The story's going to be the same. I'm just going to enjoy that yeah. story looking nicer. And so I, I I don't know. It's it's an interesting one for me. It's a little bit it's a little bit weird, a little bit of a question. I never played Oblivion though, so maybe hey maybe that's a great way to maybe. actually go back and play Oblivion for the first time. It may well be. We'll have to wait and see if these things actually come to fruition. Those two in particular feel like things that made sense for someone to kind of like mock up and add to a list as kind of like things to fill gaps, but yep. <laughs> maybe it doesn't actually make sense to follow through on once you see how busy you actually are. Um, and then a lot of other things were kind of lesser known quantities. There were references to something called Project Kestrel and something else called Project Platinum. There was also a suggestion that Indiana Jones uh, could grow to be a, a trilogy of games, and they see it as the start of a franchise. Jonesy, one weird thing about the Indiana Jones game, and again, must stress, from 2020, is that they listed the Indiana Jones game as coming out by the end of financial year 2022, that put it in the same bracket as an Elder Scrolls Online expansion, which is to be expected, and Starfield DLC. But before, for example, you know, Doom Year Zero and Project Kestrel and Project Platinum, that suggests that at least as, as to, back in 2020, there was some part of them, some part of Bethesda that felt like Indiana Jones was a closer prospect than, for example, Dishonored 3, Doom 3, Ghostwire Tokyo sequel. Do you think that there's a chance that we actually see Indiana Jones relatively soon? Or do you think that that's been kicked far, further down the road now? I think it's been, I think it's been punted like far. <laughs> I do the fact that they're talking about yeah, like in the you know in this uh, trilogy of games, it's going to be dropping twenty twenty two. I'm like this. We're not seeing this for a long time, especially when the, the interesting and I don't want to you know keep harking about it. But going back to like Starfield, um, 
that is a is a is a game that obviously had a lot of other things meant for it before it released. And when you're talking, and and I think they've even talked about you know things like city maps that are going to be improved and uh, you know. Uh, polishing the inventory systems. These are all things I'm sure they wish they'd done before the game actually came out, but they brought the game out because it was like they needed to. It was already delayed by a year or however long it was delayed by the original uh, release date. I think that Indiana Jones and the idea of a trilogy, like all three mm. games, I think this has been booted into oblivion. Well, hey, pun. Um, and we'll, nice. we're lucky if we see it. Okay, I'm going to say we'll be lucky if we see Indiana Jones, the first game, by 2026, 2027. Because we've not seen any gameplay yet. We've not seen that. No, yeah, we haven't seen it. We've, yeah, we seen we've barely seen anything. And, and I think they're always the games that if you need some space or you need some breathing room or your stuff's going wrong, surely those are the ones that you just say, just get rid of it for now. We'll worry about that in a few years. Yeah, yeah. The only argument, I guess, against that is I think that Indiana Jones is sort of more or less the only thing on Machine Games Plate at the moment. Like, obviously, with like Bethesda, like Bethesda Game Studios or whatever, it's like, oh, we went straight from like, you know, Fallout 4 to 76, then Starfield and Elder Scrolls were kind of announced at the same time and it all got a bit messy. If Machine Games have just been sat up there in Scandinavia, like quietly making an Indiana Jones game, that would be cool. That said, I do agree with your estimates. See, I, what I always think with a company like them, like, how many times have they been asked to just help out? Just help out. Just chop. Just chop. Oh, I mean, that is true. Just That's do true. this. Just do that. Like I do wonder. That, That's there was there was a bit of that with. Um, I don't know if it was machine games, but there was a bit of that with Starfield, wasn't there? Where it was like, oh yeah, it helped out with um, some elements of Star. Yeah. And when you're under the umbrella of like Microsoft, you've got to imagine that that's. It's not like. It's a little bit different if you were an independent company, or if and if someone approached you to help with something else. But yeah, under a Microsoft umbrella, you've got to imagine that when COVID yep. completely buggered everything and they're there going we just need you to do this we just need you to do that just hop over here we just hop over here like what hey man what's who, who can sacrifice the most people oh it's that lot who are making an indiana jones game that's going to come out in 12 years yeah exactly they, exactly they can spare a few artists or a few engineers or whatever yeah um hopefully not too long because i really would love to play in indiana jones that's from, that's from the looks game. like man I can't remember. What were you on team first person or team third person? Uh, I think I, I think I said third person. I think I said it's going to be like an uncharted esque. Um, okay. I mean, that to me makes t too much sense. It does make an awful lot of sense. It's like, like a weird roll around because you obviously had Indiana Jones inspired, uh, inspired Tomb Raider, inspired like um, Nathan Drake, and then to now come around to the games when he's actually going to get his own. I know we've had Indiana, Indiana Jones games before, but they they seem a bit. Not in the same bracket, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, this feels like it could be different gravy. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Speaking of different gravy, um, let's talk about one of the other elements of these leaks that got a lot of attention. And I actually pulled a lot of different kind of quotes for this one because the extent to which uh, you know anything was actually planned and how people are interpreting this has varied wildly across the internet depending on who you talk to, ranging from it is absolutely going to happen one of these days to they never even wanted to do it and it was just a joke. And that is the potential, Jonesy, of Microsoft um, pursuing an acquisition of a company like Nintendo. Um, yeah, uh, which... I don't even understand how... Like, when I heard this, I was kind of like, what? what in what possible world would, they, would, would Nintendo do that? But then I bet then, well, it kind of explores that. 
Why? Well, oh, he right. Why I he he explores why he thinks they should, but won't. Okay, I didn't read what Phil said about it. I just, I saw okay. I was reading about Nintendo, and I just thought, like, how? Why? Um, how does that work? Is it just they've got so much money? It's like a what do you call it? Like where you take over and they don't have a choice. Like a oh right hostile takeover. Yeah. Well, the, again, that kind of thing is discussed. Uh, right. So, uh, unsurprisingly, a lot of this came from someone who uh, the 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 conversation was started by someone in Microsoft who is not part of the gaming division. So maybe that kind of lack of awareness of the dynamic is why the conversation came around to begin with. But it is now, unfortunately, on the record. Um, it was around the time um, of a potential TikTok acquisition, believe it or not, where uh, the chief commercial officer called Takeshi Nomoto asked why Microsoft was pursuing a company like Nintendo instead, which feels like we've all worked in corporations where, where someone who has no idea what they're talking <laughs> about goes, why aren't we buying Nintendo? And you have to kind of like do what Phil clearly did, which is take a deep breath and explain it to them in the, the most complimentary and friendliest of terms. Um so to quote Phil Spencer, Takeshi, I totally agree that Nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming, and today gaming is our most likely path to consumer relevance. I've had numerous conversations with Nintendo about title collaboration, and I feel like if any US company would have a chance with Nintendo, we are probably in the best position. The unfortunate, or fortunate for Nintendo, situation is that Nintendo is sitting on a big pile of cash. They have a board of directors that until recently has not pushed for further increases in market growth or stock appreciation. And then Phil goes on to uh, uh, say that a former Microsoft board member, who is no longer at the company, he's called Mason Morfitt, has been, quote, heavily acquiring shares of Nintendo, and that this, quote, could create some opportunities for Microsoft. Um, and then this is the part that took to, to get back around, Jody, to talk about why Phil thinks Nintendo might be open to this at one point. Phil believes that Nintendo's future, quote, exists off their own hardware, i.e., They've they've got all this software, they've got all this IP, they've got they've got the Mario's and they've got the Zelda, but the future doesn't belong in these rinky dink handheld consoles. The only problem for Phil is these rinky dink handheld consoles sell hundreds of millions of units, um, and that's why, as Phil claimed, it's taking quote a long time for the company to see that, i.e., to see that their future doesn't exist in their own hardware. The final thing that I will that the um, that I will say in terms of like quotes from Phil about this potential deal is that uh, without the catalyst i don't see an angle to a near-term mutually agreeable merger of nintendo and microsoft and i don't think a hostile action would be a good move so we're playing the long game but and this is one of the interesting things our board of directors have seen the full write-up on nintendo and valve and they're fully supportive on either if the opportunity arises as am i so that is i mean it's a pretty big you know, gauntlet to put down even if there are an unfathomable amount of ifs and buts and maybes that stand between them and that so-called opportunity, right? Yes, and it. it <laughs> I, 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 I don't. But the one thing that kind of I'm just like I, I couldn't imagine is they had some issues with their acquisition of uh, Activision. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and and anti competition laws, and you and you you sort of read up on that and how Sony, you know, we now know with uh, leaks from Sony emails and things like that, that actually it was a little bit of a, a bullshit exercise from Sony, and actually wasn't you know necessarily any people weren't really worried about competition when it came to that acquisition, but it still went through the courts. It still had a bunch of um, uh, uh, 
politicians who were kind of anti this sort of thing and were trying to push against it. Imagine what would happen if Xbox was and Nintendo were both under the same umbrella. Like that to me is one of the most anti-competition things you could possibly do. You just put together yeah. like one of the biggest, well, probably the biggest gaming entity, right? In Microsoft, in the amount of studios and things it owns and, and IP it owns. And you've just bowled together that with the Goliath that is the Nintendo handheld market. Like, I don't understand how that is would not be a monopoly of... of like, they would, they would think- destroy Sony in any way they wanted to, I would, I would imagine, if they did that. Yeah, I think I completely agree, which is that if, if you know, the experiences we we had and we experienced and we witnessed other people having around the uh, still proposed acquisition, the intention to acquire Activision Blizzard... Um, as it gives us any insight to how this would go, the answer is not smoothly. Same goes for Valve, right? With you know the size of Steam yeah. as a platform. Um, Steam's like, a bit more interesting though, because Steam, I think you could confuse the people doing the deciding, and you could sort of just that say, doesn't "Sound like that hard to do?" They're just uh, they're, they're like uh, they're like GOG. They're just a platform to buy games, and they're like, "Oh yeah, all right, yeah, fair enough." Yeah, like yeah, look at the Epic Game Store. Look at how much the Epic Game Store has grown in the last couple of years. Steam's less than small fry. But yeah, no anti-competition um, sort of agencies and, and whatnot, and like that would have been a massive, massive hurdle that probably would have been insurmountable even for the amount of money that Microsoft could have theoretically thrown at it. What do you think, though, of Phil's angle, as optimistic as it might be, that um, Nintendo's future quote exists off their own hardware? That, that to me is is the trickiest part of what he said because it, I. To, to my mind, the second you take Mario uh, and Donkey Kong and Peach and all that off of Nintendo, and you and you put them on PlayStation, you put them on Xbox, you put them on Game Pass, um, maybe even you put them on Steam. I think that the problem is they then start to get to compare, compared to other similar titles, and they, they, do you know what they become? They become Nintendo, uh, the publisher. And they become yeah. a game studio, and they don't hold on to that special place for people anymore and then and then i think some of the you kind of start to see some of the frayed edges of oh this company just this publisher just trying to release the same game again like i'm not buying another version of that that came out five years ago that they're just trying to push again this is the third version of that game they've tried to release like i I don't know on a console i think you get away with it i don't think Mm. when when you compare how many first party titles they actually put out when you look at like the new princess peach game that's coming out would we be as excited about that if that was going to be a cross PlayStation Xbox? Like, I don't think we would. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're absolutely right. Like, for as rough as it is to talk about something, it's hard to find the words for. I think there is a je ne sais quoi around Nintendo and the way that they handle their first party IPs. And I think the fact that they are first party is a big part of that. And I think it's absolutely you're absolutely right. Like, the idea of Super Mario Bros. Wonder, like being on. I don't know, like the PlayStation Store this you know this time next month. Just not only does that feel wrong, like in a very kind of I don't know, like just in, in, even within me, like in my heart, in my soul, like <laughs> that doesn't feel right. But but it's also like yeah, all of a sudden some of the charm, and it's that charm. I'm not saying the charm is a good thing because the charm in some cases is what is what lets Nintendo get away with some things that. I think other companies would be scrutinized uh, far more for, um, but that completely dissipates once mm. you imagine, you know, those titles coming out on every platform under the sun. Even if that could theoretically be better for gamers in that they're getting 
more high quality titles across the board. It even loops back around to the fact that like, you know, some Nintendo games looking the way Nintendo games look because of the way that Nintendo hardware runs. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, so like if you got rid of Nintendo hardware as a stipulation, would, you know, Nintendo really be beholden to kind of like the modern standards of, you know, gaming visuals, gaming performance. And all of a sudden you couldn't make something that looks like Tears of the Kingdom because people would be like, well, this doesn't look as good as Horizon. And all yes. of a sudden, like, it becomes this really stark comparison that at the moment doesn't matter because, well, the Switch is the Switch in the same way the Wii was the Wii and the GameCube was the GameCube. Like, don't like it's apples and oranges when all this... And this would make it apples and apples and it becomes a lot less flattering. And things like the yeah. situation with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet which people have been very angry about, don't get me wrong, but it didn't stop it selling millions of copies, all of a sudden they just become like, you can't even come close to having something like that happen. Like, no. You know, yeah. And I think, I think that I'm really glad you bought a Pokemon. I think the second you sever Nintendo and Pokemon, I think you are, I think that's the first sort of uh, step on the, on the path to killing both. Because I, I think you need, like you need those two things together. Like you buy, people buy a Switch or a, or a Nintendo, whatever it is, handheld console, whatever, to play po like millions of people buy just to play Pokemon. Like Pokemon is absolutely it's a Goliath into it in and of itself. The second you can yeah. play that on a Steam Deck, on an Xbox, on a PlayStation, I think the Nintendo becomes like superfluous. Like why would I need? Why would I buy that? Um, the, do you know what would happen? Though the first thing that would happen, which would be terrible, um, Pokemon would be available on mobile phones. Like the the, the iPhone Pro 15 is about to be able to run like Mirage, which isn't even out yet on console. And the second that you can just say, "Hold on, I can play this turn-based game, which actually would work really well on an iPhone. I can just play it on my iPhone." Um, Pokemon, you know, suddenly they've got a whole load of uh, extra people that can install their games, so they're like, "Oh, this is cool." And then they lose yeah. Nintendo, which then sucks because no one's buying a Nintendo co um, units and Nintendo consoles. Pokemon is everywhere else. And then Nintendo's it's like, why would I buy a Nintendo? I've got yeah. a mobile phone. Why would I do that? Oh, God. And like, even you talk about modern Pokemon titles. If that, again, once the, that IP and that back catalog was out of their hands and maybe in the hands of someone who was a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, sort of like, profit-minded or like a little, little bit more concerned with the bottom line you then get into the weird territory of like what if you got an ios and android like remaster of pokemon red blue and yellow and like mm. by, the, by the time you're putting like a remastered pokemon red on on iphones i think you're talking about one of the best-selling apps of of all time like i legitimately think that that's the territory you're entering and who says no to that smash brothers across all platforms yeah. crossplay you know for example like I think is it, it, it just the, animal, the, the the Animal Crossing revolution that we saw during lockdown. What does that look like if Animal Crossing is, you know, everywhere else? Like it that and that's why like I don't. I, if I was Nintendo, not only would I disagree with the idea that our future exists off our hardware, I would be worried about our future off our own hardware for these reasons. It's a weird one as well because in the short term, you, it would make them insanely huge like it would nintendo would mm. sell all this stuff off they'd sell all this licensing they would grow 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 they would become absolutely like monolithic even more so than they are like now with the switch but yeah. then i i feel like in 10 years time when they have had this insane explosion across every uh platform imaginable it then gets to the point of um, like exactly what you said you then have the apples to um apples comparison of all these different games and you're like oh there's a game which is just like Pokemon, which I can get on my PlayStation, which is 10 times better, looks 20 times better, plays better, is better in every way. 
I don't need to play that other game. Who's that game by? Um, oh, that Pokemon game. Oh, I don't want to play that anymore. And I don't know, you just get, and suddenly all the charm's gone. Nintendo's gone as a, as a, like we said, as a piece of hardware. And I just think, yeah, 10 years down the line, fair. They made loads of money in the short term, but in the long term, I think they become a, um, uh, uh, you know, a memory, and everyone's sad, yeah. and I'm yeah. the saddest because I still love. Nintendo. I would be too. Plus, I, I I don't want Nintendo to stop making hardware. There have been major misfires in the hardware department at Nintendo, even just in my lifetime. But like, I think that a, a, an on-point Nintendo, an on-target Nintendo, make the best B console to have in a household that there is. Assuming your primary console is a pc and xbox or a playstation and it's great that it doesn't have to compete it's great that it's apples to oranges and you don't have to compare the two because they're not the same thing and like we said the second you get them off the console they are the same thing and then everyone yeah. goes why did we imagine they were different all these years like it's the same thing but yeah i don't know i don't yeah i don't think it's good i think i think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that would be happy with that as well well, I can think of one man who might be somewhat happy with the prospect of acquiring Nintendo. Oh, wait. <laughs> of course, if his emails are anything to go by. Um, one of the things that uh, was was equally as striking, though, about conversations about acquisition, and this is the last thing I pulled out of all the leaks for Xbox. I don't know if you've seen of this stuff, Josie, but if you haven't read, don't, don't stop reading now because I kind of want to see if any of this <laughs> stuff shocks or surprises you. Did you get? To, have you seen the numbers? I haven't. No. Okay, because what we're talking about is uh, a, a Xbox making deals to get game on Game Pass, but more specifically, getting game getting deals to get them day and date on Game Pass. Right. So third party titles that launch day one on Game Pass. In the past, you know, week we've seen that happen with um, like mid mid tier titles. I'd say like Payday Three and Lies of P, both just launched day and date on Game Pass. Uh, I mean, it has happened with bigger titles in the past, but you know. Um, as you as you'd imagine, given the loss of revenue and loss of sales for the publishers of those games, the cost must be quite significant. And we now have some insights that, courtesy of Sarah Bond, who said Microsoft might be able to secure day and date crown jewels like Warner's Gotham Knights for fifty million dollars, and Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Mirage for one hundred million dollars. Um, based on these estimates, Microsoft thought attempting to secure the cost of these titles like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, though, would, quote, not be a good ROI. The quote for Star Wars Jedi Survivor, day and day on Game Pass, $300 million. Um, so a third of a billion dollars to get Jedi Survivor <laughs> day and day on Game Pass. Um, so uh, wow. there are some other things listed here. Now, these are titles that, based on the conversations they'd had already with other publishers and things like that on deals they'd done in the past, these were estimates that xbox came up with internally based on what they thought it would cost to get certain games on game pass day and date do you want to hear them yeah yeah go on so actually i'm going to start at the low end uh baldur's gate 3 they estimated that it only cost five million dollars to get on game pass oh, I, okay I'd, I'd suggest that might have been rejected um dying like 2 they upped it to 50 million dollars they thought that they could get lego star wars the skywalker saga which they did eventually get i can't remember if it was day and date $35 million, and then um, into Warner Brothers territory, it gets a bit heftier. They estimated that Mortal Kombat 1 would cost $250 million, and they estimated the Suicide Squad would be the same at a cool quarter of a billion dollars. Um, again, interesting there to know that how both how much some of these deals have cost, how much Microsoft believes some future deals could have cost, 
and most notably because we now know that like hey mortal kombat 1 wasn't day and date dying like 2 wasn't day and date jedi survivor wasn't day and date so more and more they're looking at the roi on these things and saying actually no these games are too expensive to be day and date on game pass those are some epic numbers like but is it is it worth it i don't know like no i don't when you but Imagine how wrong you would have gone this. Imagine how wrong, the, like, because the, when you think about it, like, and think about the what's great now is we can obviously most of these we can look back and we can say, would they would that have been a good investment? So, for example, like Baldur's Gate, I know we said they they you know they didn't get it in five million, obviously would have got rejected, but there was a time when with Baldur's Gate that probably they they would have been a low baller because you would have been like, hey, this game has been in early access for. If, yeah. forever um it's not gonna it's not gonna like do anything amazing let's get it for like you know if we can get it for five ten million whatever but then you sort of talk about like suicide squad like obviously not even out yet but what horrendous production that's that game's had um mortal kombat 1 250 million like i i do get it in a lot of respects i do get it. it's mortal kombat as a lot of people are going to want to play it but it's also one of those games that people are not going to sign up to game pass to play like i would imagine Lego Star Wars, like that to me is one of the bigger games on there that I'm surprised at 35 million. Die, you, you're paying 50 million for Dying Light 2. I, I am a fan of Techland. I like Dying Light 2. I think that's too much. Um, 300 million for Jedi Survivor is, is yeah, insanity. That's probably EA looking at it and saying, well, one, we're reluctant to do this to begin with. So we're going to highball them because like we don't want to necessarily do this. And two, while I agree it's difficult to know how many people will sign up explicitly for something, we are still talking about a service that has millions of subscribers, and you've got to imagine the majority of people who own a PC and an Xbox who are going to, that's like, not necessarily, I'm not going to call them two-thirds of your market if you're making Jedi Survivor, because I know the numbers of people don't actually work that way, but like, two-thirds of your platforms will now have an out that to like not buy your game that mo you'd imagine most of them would use. Not all of them, but most of them. For me, it's, it's not it's the day and day part. Like I, I totally get wanting to buy them, wanting to secure them, wanting to service the, your your subscribers. For me, it's the thing of you just say like two weeks later, we the you, then you've got the release date and then you've got the game pass release date when the real release date yeah. is when everyone then, plays it. But then EA are going to come back and say, yeah, we'll do that deal two weeks later. But you can't tell anyone that it's going to be on Game Pass in two weeks time, otherwise no one will buy our game. You. You can't announce it, you can't publicize it, you can't promote it until the day we're on Game Pass, which is going to be two weeks later. That's absolutely, that's, you know, I know if I'm Xbox, I'm like, that's absolutely fine. And then I build up a reputation as a company that has games, that you, all the games you want to play two weeks later. And by that point, I know, for example, Dying Light 2 was not everything that it was, it was good, it did well, it was a good game, but it was not as, you know, it wasn't quite where we wanted it to be. Um, we know that, well, I mean, we don't know yet, but Suicide Squad, we know we shouldn't have spent 250 million on um, a suicide, on Suicide Squad. We know that, you know, uh, we can go through like that. We know that Jedi Survivor, yes, it was a good sequel, but had a lot of problems, was a little bit buggy, didn't feel as good as it maybe should have felt. We're really glad we didn't spend 300 million on it for the sake of two weeks. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like it's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a flex to say day and day we've got these games and to drop that much cash. Like that seems dangerous. It does. It does. Um, uh, uh, and the other thing that's interesting is, and maybe this is slightly less dangerous, is there was chat um, in some of these documentations about how long, how much it could cost to keep certain games on Game Pass. The one thing that was mentioned here that didn't come to fruition is that there was a suggestion that Microsoft expected 
a next-gen or rather current-gen version of Red Dead Redemption 2 to drop during uh, the fourth calendar quarter of 2022. Uh, sorry, excuse me, 2023. We now know that that obviously hasn't happened, um, but there were talks in that thing about how to secure the title for Game Pass kind of in perpetuity would cost an ongoing $5 million per month, which it's like... That doesn't sound too bad, but of course, by the time uh, get the game has been on Game Pass for a year, you spent sixty million on it, which is more than you priced yourself for Dying Light Two, and it it gets a little bit, yeah, interesting. The numbers are absolutely crazy. Like, I would I would love to see the inner workings of Game Pass and how they and how that's all factored and worked out, and how much they can afford to spend on it because it is crazy. Like, you've, yeah. Are they making? Are they making money? We often joke about being the best deal in gaming, but it's like if it's too good of a deal, it won't be around for like too much longer because they'll have to get rid of it. That is true. I mean, uh, Phil Phil has acknowledged that it will get more expensive. Um, it's like I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? When you have a company like um, Microsoft and it's a multi-trillion-dollar company and their profit margins are in the like nine figures every year, then it probably becomes very easy or perhaps even but the better way of putting it becomes quite difficult in accounting terms to figure out like how well certain things are actually doing and so on and so forth usually the indicator is is it kept around or do they get rid of it um and i mean that's that's part of the conversation around xbox at the moment as well but probably a question for another day i think xbox is going to be around for the near future um until 2030 at least until 2030 yeah um <laughs> fingers crossed one property uh, whose future and whether or not they're around in the year 2030 is looking a lot shakier and scarier, if you ask me, is the Super Show podcast, the <laughs> podcast you're listening to right now. Because I don't know if you've got seven more years than you, Jonesy, but I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, it's not that I'm counting the days, but, you know, it's... I Hey, as long as there's still one person showing up for our live streams, we'll be, uh, we'll be still going in seven years' time. Don't you worry. You hear that? At least one person in the live stream. And Jonesy will... St- Even if Jonesy's here on his own, creating <laughs> an audience of one, he will still be going. Um, and one of the things that help us keep going in the meantime until we are down to that last sole viewer is, of course, the support of our fans over on Patreon. Uh, we have a Patreon at uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash super show. Um, you can head over there. You can see all the various perks and various tiers at which you can pledge um from as little as two dollars a month five dollars a month ten dollars a month whatever you can spare there are all kinds of patron exclusive content and patron exclusive goodies that are available to you and all of it goes a long way towards helping us continue to well both helping us continue to produce this podcast but also as josie and i can both attest to helping us pay our bills at times because hey you know what like I don't care if it's 2023, we're still technically living in a post-pandemic matrixy dystopia that I don't really want to acknowledge as real, but the love of our fans on Patreon helps me get there. Uh, that link, once again, is patreon.com forward slash super show. Um, so yeah, a massive shout out to everyone that is supporting us over there. There are some names of some of those fine folk on screen right now, so thank you to each and every one of you. And I would also like to give a very special personal shout out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdal Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and then of course we have the members of the board, the people who are also going to be instrumental in determining whether we're still around in 2030, Bretzi, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. So yeah, 
thank you so much to all of you. Um, it's, a, it's a massive help. It's the reason we're still doing this. Um, and that link, once again, if you'd like to pledge and get involved and help us keep going, patreon.com forward slash super show. When you hear us talk about Patreon exclusive content, when you hear us talk about Discord access, all that good stuff, that is where you can find it. And that is the place to go. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, to, uh, thank you everyone. It is, um, yeah, it is still uh, genuinely heartwarming and touching that you come and watch us and listen to us every week and uh, support us in, in millions of ways, uh, commenting, joining the Patreon, chatting to us through Discord. So thank you so much, everybody. Um, I do want to give an extra special shout out right now uh, because Miami Sunrise, uh, the absolute lunatic, has just dropped us 10 US dollars uh, through the Super Chat Ooh. and says, you guys are always the best and I'm thankful you are still out here doing this um, so, and thank you very much thank you for watching and for donating us ten dollars that is um that is amazing very kind of you miami sunrise thank you very much um and with that jonesy uh i think actually it was it was actually a surprise stretch goal that we didn't announce but we had it in the back of our minds we knew all the time that if anyone donated ten dollars to us at any point during this podcast that we would unveil the new chapter of the super show which is jonesy's modern film critiques um and I believe you've already got your first episode lined up, isn't that right? I have indeed, uh, because a couple of days ago, I actually managed to go to the cinema uh, to see Barbie. It was still on, um, which I was quite uh, yeah. surprised at. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, nice. On to the next segment. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> uh, it was a, do you know what? No, it's a, it's a weird one. I wanted to see it. I didn't want to see it like that much, but my mum wanted to see it and it was her birthday. So I said, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll go and watch Barbie. And she really enjoyed it. Uh, my dad came as well. He, he did not enjoy it. <laughs> he, he thought it was crap. I think he had a little sleep. Um, I, um, my wife saw it as well. She said, I think she said she did like it, but she did think it was kind of, she liked it and she thought it was a bit rubbish. Um, like okay. we often have a thing that you can, you know, you can like a, a film which is not particularly good. Um, but no, I, I did enjoy it. One of the things that I liked about it particularly was I like it when a director um, or, or, you know, the P in general, the people making the film um, had fun and did something a bit different and sort of changed the, push the boat out, changed the game, did things their own way. And I think you really get that from this film. There are some set pieces and there's some sort of strangeness to it that I've really enjoyed. Um, it's It's weird. It's not a kid's film. I see why it's got like the 12 tag on it. I can, if you're like 13 and up, I think fair enough, you could, you would enjoy it. But strangely, even though it feels quite kiddie, I do think there is, uh, they did have a specific audience in mind. And I'm thinking it's like, yeah, Gen Z, like, you know, the um, 18 and up kind of age. When you're satirizing the patriarchy, like you're not targeting eight-year-old girls anymore. Number no, six, I kind of think you you are and you can do, but you but maybe would want to do it in a different way. Well, yes, you'd want to do it in maybe a different way. I think this was a little too overt. Um, okay, it's a it's a weird film as well. So I've I've watched a number of reviews on it, and I've watched like a number of political reviews on it, which are really interesting because I've watched my left wing left wing uh, reviews, right wing reviews, and they all kind of like it but for different reasons. And the the left-wingers say, oh, we like it because it's like smashing the patriarchy and it's, and it's really feminist. And then the right-wingers love it because they're like, no, actactually, you've misunderstood the film. It's actually pro, like, trad wives and trad husbands and it's it's anti-feminist, and which is very strange. It's like a weird for a film to be so many things to so many people. Um, yeah. But weirdly, I kind of got what they they all meant when I saw it because it, it doesn't really come down one way or the other. It's actually quite a 
a broad film and it touches on like a whole broad range of stuff. Um, I'm like Ken is one of my favorite things. The Kens mm -hmm. are great. Like they're fantastic. And there's some really fun little scenes and set pieces with them. Um, and Ryan yeah. Gosling's like fantastic. I thought he was really good. Margot Robbie's is good. Like she's fine as Barbie, but she's her performance is much more straight. I would say. Right. Okay. Is that just by nature of kind of like the 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 script and the way the way the role of Bobby is defined exactly because if from the trailer and some of the snippets I've seen Ken is given the far goofier things to do exactly uh, right far, a lot more of the punchlines a lot of the kind of like the stupid puns and plays on words and even musical numbers everything there seems to be a lot of Ken action in there there yeah no it's, it's all part of the writing the direction it's nothing to do with the actors like this isn't a this isn't me critiquing like Margot Robbie. Um, you're not going to hear me say Margot Robbie's mid, no matter how many people say online. It's still like a bloody ridiculous. It's so so outrageously wrong. <laughs> it is outrageously wrong. She's the she might be the least mid human being on planet Earth. There is, a, I would agree with that. There is a really annoying bit in the film though, where they reference about how pretty she is, and it didn't need to be in there at all. And it actually felt like a weird, like a by a like a, a side, and that they should have. I was yeah, I don't know. It was weird. But I, oh, I keep kicking this thing under my chair. I don't mean to. It's making bad. Is bangs. it a dog? It's, it's not a dog. It's like a little stool. I apologise if people keep hearing weird bangs. But no, the, yeah, the Kens get this whole like they. There's a whole bit where they they uh, talk about beaching each other off, and they're going to beach off and all of this, and it that goes on far too long, which is hilarious. And then they have a big epic fight, which is like ridiculous. Um, but no, I I think it was it was fun. It was a good time. It, it drags in places. Like obviously, the some of the when the story's happening. It kind of drags in places. Some of the set pieces really do push it forward, um, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> there we go. Yes. My review of Barbie. What I give? I'm going to give it a rating. What should I give it? I give it a. What's your scale going to be? I think I just add ten. I think I'm a, but I'm a like an annoying person who give it a point something out of ten. I reckon I give it a seven point five out of ten. You realise that when you 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 add a decimal point in there, that it's not out of ten anymore. Yeah, it's out of a hundred. I know that's the that's the joke. Mm, that's not really a joke though all oh, right it's just a mathematical annoyance so seven point seven point not 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 a seven point six not a seven point four but just a seven point five i'll give it a seven no a seventy i'll give it a seventy four out of a hundred there you go just oh, for you. God, no, because now we've acknowledged in the past like 30 seconds that barbie's <laughs> gone down by 0.1 in your like no i just don't want it because you can't give it a 7.4 that sounds dumb but if i'm gonna do have 100 then i feel like 70 i don't want it to be the 75 and up i don't want it to be rounded to 80 so i want it to be i want it to drop just below the 75 just in case it's rounded it can be rounded down to 70 so i'm oh gonna go God. with 74 i would just i would love to see what would happen to the internet and social media in general if you ever got hired as the reviews editor <laughs> for ign oh, I, I think it would probably burst into flames probably would I definitely yeah. don't have the chops or the experience or the technical knowledge to review anything. But there was my review of Barbie, 74. Oh, I don't know. I, I think that was a, a splendid review, Jonesy. I look forward to the next episode of Jonesy's Modern Movie Critiques or whatever the fuck we called it. I know I know, no one would care, but I would love to do like a whole political like discussion around Barbie. And how oh, I, I, I bet you would. I do, it's, it's, it's really it's quite interesting it's an interesting yeah, if one of the grifters are cool ask if they want to come on the super show we can get like a Ben Shapiro special oh can we get a lefty and a righty and then we'll do a little political in the yeah, middle no, no because I don't want you to be impartial I want you to be like the either I want you to oh. play the lefty or the righty oh well, I, I can be either I can play either 
I can play either. I'm, I like playing either. Mm. If you and bring a lefty, I'll the, play a righty. If you bring a right, that's I the pro- that's the problem with you is that I know you're doing it because you like the fight. You like yeah, the, you like the dude. debate. You feel that you like the heat of battle rather exactly. than actually being like extremely right or left leaning. Um, yeah. Well, it's all about okay. the fight. Well, We'll, we'll put it in the books. We'll, uh, ask Ben Shapiro what his top three favorite Jim Carrey films are, and if there are uh, uh, any, any overlap, we'll get him on for that one. Just nice. the most random piece of Super Show content ever. Just a a liar, liar, liar watch along with with Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Don't know uh, why. What are we watching? Is it, he's a liar? I was a liar. I'm Ben Shapiro. Oh. Oh. And I, I, I don't like my liar because I don't like liars. And the point of the film is that he lies, so I don't like him. I go. What's so get he? Jordan Peterson on. <laughs> I think if he just stopped lying and get his bloody life together, tidy his damn room. Just tidy your damn room. Just pull your bloody socks up. Stop lying. Um, yeah, the, um, a frog. I don't know the equivalent on the left side. Who would be the equivalent of like? I don't even know. You would. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I know a few, you, but you, not to the same. Not to the same. They're not allowed to get as big. They're, yeah. uh, they're my, kept my, down. my my Twitter for you algorithm doesn't force as many of those people in my face, so I don't get to hear their stupid voices. Um, <laughs> right. Which I which based on the right side, I can only assume the left all have stupid voices as well. Um, Dumb and dumb. What that you take now? We're, 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 <laughs> oh, gee, yeah. Um, thanks, Jonesy. Um, oh my god. Uh, uh, the, the, the artist formerly known as FIFA released a new game, or is, is releasing a new game. Um, it's out this Friday, I believe, at the time of recording. If you got the big fancy special edition, it has been in a one week early access since last Friday. Um, and uh, would you be surprised to hear that in spite of the, of the fact that it is now called EA Sports FC and the FIFA name has been scrubbed from existence, at least as far as video games go for the time being, that it's still very much a FIFA game? I would not be surprised at all. I, I actually know someone who went out today and bought a PlayStation 5 um, wow. to play uh, EA FC. Which I was, I thought was interesting. I'm all, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised to hear that people like that still exist, but because that's been the joke for ages. Whether it's FIFA, whether it's Madden, NBA, COD, like there are still people who buy consoles for them. But yeah, interesting. Especially three years into a generation, they're like EA Sports FC. This is this is one. it. This, this is, is the thing that's going to move the needle. This is where yeah. I'm at. Um, it's not a needle mover. Like they've obviously done a lot of work to rebrand and to move away from the FIFA association while maintaining all the licenses. But it's still fundamentally, it's 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 a FIFA game. All the the game modes you'd expect are presently accounted for. The gameplay formula has been shaken up in a, a bit, but in just in the ways that you would expect, basically in a you know, title with annualized releases. Um, and the, I don't think there are any like super major or notable improvements in the game, really. Um, they're, they're doing a better job at integrating women's football across the board. Women uh, cards are now a part of Ultimate Team. So um, everyone plays with sort of a hybrid team of male and female players together. So there are some sort of slightly more progressive changes like that. Um, oh, do you? So you, you your, your team, you can have mixed of uh, men and women. Okay, that's interesting. Absolutely, yeah. I realize they've done that. Um, well, because Ultimate Team has more and more over the years kind of become this sort of like this playground of almost like fiction meets reality where, you know, right. dead players are getting cards like because they now have these icons right. that you get. And so it's like, if you're going to play with Pele and Maradona, like why can't you play with, you know, Sam Kerr? Or I, would, I would love to be on the team of people that decide how, like what 
points each person gets in what area because you know well, that some of those old players like for speed they're like oh yeah uh, Billy back in the day was super quick Billy was so fast you know in reality Billy was slow as shit but because he was just faster yeah. than the other people on the pitch and then what do yeah. you do do you make Billy slow as shit oh, or do you make him like it, a 95 the it, it, it's funny funnily enough like that uh, it's the same it's the same with the women's side of the game it's like how do you like you you, you can't pretend that it's, it's we've had this discussion before about like the speed for example like you can't pretend that there are female players as fast as the fastest male players but at the same time you You've can't got to gain the level yeah um and so they do level it i think they do that with the kind of the icons as well because like yes pele is broadly considered one of if not the best player of all time and his the statistics in terms of the number of goals he scored both on a sort of a domestic and an international level are outrageous but you know he was playing against like the 1950s equivalent of scaffolders <laughs> yeah um, you exactly know, like, yeah <laughs> with a leather with a leather ball that like no one could like <laughs> in, like it's yeah just, it was a different it was a very different game um very different players and you just at some point you just gotta like draw a line under it and saying hey it's a level playing for we're having fun whether yeah whether you're Pele whether you're Erling Haaland like you're all just just, it's football it's a fucking game it's only game um speaking of games Jonesy um we'll do it because we teased it earlier but I wonder if before we uh say uh our our farewells to the folks who are enjoying the podcast thus far do you want to touch in with touch base with Ubisoft quickly yeah sure I'm I'm, I'm up for it would you be okay if we uh, if we dipped our toe in the Ubisoft pond and then and then bid adieu to to the Super Show Massive? Uh, yeah, I would indeed. That sounds that sounds good. Okay, in that case, let me let you folks know that Ubisoft have done again. When I've discussed it before, and we've discussed it before, I think I've declared it as one of my least favorite trends in modern video games, which is they have announced a potentially exciting new video game in the least exciting way possible. This time, somehow, even less exciting than a tweet, which I think is what they did when they announced that they were remaking Splinter Cell. They have done it via a press release that admittedly probably also went out alongside a tweet. But Jonesy, they have announced that the Division 3 is a thing. The Division 3 is coming. It's going to be developed by Massive Entertainment and that it is going to be overseen by creative director Julian Geraghty, who was um, a, a, te- a key player in the, in the Division 2 and is still at Massive Entertainment and is currently overseeing um, Star Wars Outlaws in a creative director capacity. How are you feeling about the prospect of more Division? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, that finally we're going to get the Division that we were promised back in that um you know little teaser teaser gameplay trailer that we had for E3 many many moons ago with the glass falling down and the, and using yeah. the door as protection and the drones one day one day in in years from now that will be a reality so i'm excited for bad division yeah you mentioned years from now um how many years it's impossible to know because some of you might be scratching your head at the mention of massive entertainment because of course they are currently developing the Avatar game that is meant to be coming out in December probably will come out in December. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. The Star Wars Outlaws game that, of course, we saw a pretty uh, vertical slice for in summer, but it's yeah. very hard to know how far away that is. And then there's this after that. And Ubisoft have confirmed that Garrity will continue to work on Star Wars Outlaws until the game is completed, which suggests that the Division 3 won't go into full production until, you know, well, I guess Outlaws has gone gold. Is how I read that. 
it's Ubisoft now with this their weird ass like announcements when they just sort of like just say it and you think like well that was that wasn't what I wanted. I do wonder if part of the reason they do it is just to get it out of the way and then not have to worry about it so that they can when anyone mentions it they're like yeah we already said that that's in production. If whereas if they did like some big pomp and um, and ceremony thing where they had a trailer and they had announcement thing, then people would be too overly invested. So it actually for them it Maybe. doesn't matter that they've got um they've got three games like in production at the moment because they're like yeah but we're not even going to get onto it until um until we finish these other ones it's just the fact that we wanted to just announce an intention um i wonder if that is part of it i don't like it <laughs> like god yeah i don't like that way of doing business i would rather they announced it when they had something um no matter how small to show off yeah there's also an element to, uh, which is to me like is that as effective when the game is more of a known quantity and like Star Wars Outlaws was a thing where we knew for ages that Massive Entertainment and Ubisoft were making a Star Wars game, but there was still something about seeing Outlaws for the first time where yeah. you were going, oh, this is the kind of Star Wars making game they're making. That's cool. They, you can't get that reaction to the Division 3 or even the aforementioned Splinter Cell remake because as soon as that trailer starts, you'll probably be open to watching it with me in a live chat. I'll do the smart-ass thing where three seconds into a trailer, I'll go, oh, this is the Division 3. And you sat there for the rest of the trailer going, well, yeah, it's the third one of these. Big, like, whereas if it was just like a blowout all at once, if we didn't know a Spin Cell remake was coming and we got Chris's, you know, lifelong wet dream, like, <laughs> three lights coming on screen and the noise happening. Yeah. Yeah. Then that would have been an awesome E3 moment. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, you're not. Moment. Do you know what? It would have been great if, yeah, if there's a summer game fest and then you black, like the screen's black and you just hit like, they got Alex. <laughs> it just goes into gameplay. Like that would that would be kind of fun if they just played to it. But I and I, I do agree with you to some degree. Like it's a bit of a known quantity, you know, is something that you can assume is going to happen. But what would be nice with something like that is to just from the get go just address some of the criticisms that that have you know those games have picked up in the past and just be like, no, we've we've listened to the fans. We know what we need to do. Like, this is where we're going. And look how good this game looks now. Because, like, Division is a weird game for me. It still holds so much promise. And yeah. I was so hyped for it. And I, and I had a lot of fun with the first one. I barely played the second one. Um, and I still think there could be something more there. But I just... I just don't know. And I feel like that all the time with Ubisoft. It's kind of frustrating. Like, they keep doing it to me game after game after game. Um, which is one of the weird things why uh, uh, Mirage is, like, kind of exciting. Is because it's a, it's iterating on a very well known you know uh, IP, but it doing something different, and it's not just yep. another game in the series. It's like, no, no, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be it's exciting because they're going back to when Ubisoft was good. That's harsh. Right, yeah. that's, that's too well, too. Well, not even when Ubisoft was good, but maybe a time when we had more nostalgia for Ubisoft. Like it is funny to me that like, I. Uh, that there's so much Assassin's Creed 1 nostalgia that's clearly influenced Mirage and yet Assassin's Creed 1 was the game where like some people weren't convinced 2 was the one I remember being like across the board okay they've they've nailed it but I remember like some people were not crazy hot on 1 1 absolutely um, blew me away 1 was the most beautiful game I'd ever seen the uh, the the walking through a crowd I used to I would show people walking through a crowd of people I was I was genuinely like no no you don't understand look when he walks through the people he he like touches them and moves through I bet looking at it now it'd probably look crap but I was like you don't understand how good this game looks it looks exactly like Jerusalem would have looked if you could go back there 
And that was the uh, promise of yeah. Assassin's Creed. And then, yeah, and then obviously 2 took it and ran with it and, and was something absolutely incredible. Um, and then you look at like Far Cry 3 and how amazing that was and stuff. And we just need Ubisoft to get back to some sort of... Uh, mm. just, just get back to how they inspiring people like they used to rather so. than here's another game that's going to feel like a, a previous game. Well, yeah, which, again, is still maybe something of a problem, especially... You know, we talk about that Avatar game. That's obviously kind of one of their big new releases for for the Christmas and winter period. Um, people talking about how much that looked like Far Cry and Borrowed Elements and Far Cry. For what it's worth with The Division, you know, you talk about how Mirage is winning people over by kind of going back to basics. It looks like their game plan with The Division is to see it as more of a franchise and basically to, you know, hedge their bets by making multiple releases. There's references to... Um, of course, Tom Clancy's The Division Resurgence, which is the mobile game that is still yet to be released, but featured, that was one of the games featured on the Apple presentation before they completely like pulled the rug from under their feet by going, oh, and by the way, it runs full-on like AAA releases as well, at which point you start thinking to yourself, well, then why are you making a mobile one? Um, and of course, the, the Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland, which is the free-to-play Division game that we've known about for three plus years at this point saw leaked footage of years ago uh but still do not know much about uh, beyond that other than the fact that it hasn't been cancelled yet so that seems to be the division strategy is make a mobile game a free-to-play game and a premium game and hope that between the three of them one of them makes promise on kind of like <laughs> what you kind of alluded to the kind of the missing piece of the puzzle in recent ubisoft releases um whether that works um julian garrity will have to let us know uh, if, if Julian Garrett is watching, and this is going to, everyone's going to be annoyed with this, it, the division needs to feel more like a Last of Us game. That's what the division needs to feel like. <laughs> Which is totally where no one who plays the division wants it to be. But as someone who yeah. doesn't doesn't play the division, that's where I want it to be. I'm, I'm going to go out on a whim and say that for as good as the Last of Us is, the world does not need more the Last of Us is. Not, not, not the. I don't want it to be like the Last of Us with the story, but the, the, the heaviness and the, the sort of, the slow methodical, somber, somber picking your way through those dystopian streets. That's why I want the division. I want the division to feel gritty. Yeah, but that doesn't work when like you have to have mini bosses and bosses that like are bullet <laughs> sponges, and it doesn't work when numbers have to pop out people's heads. But it doesn't work when. Yeah, like. Yep. You you can't like you need a purple gun to drop and you need to want like you know if the you had a good role on that purple gun, Jancy. A- oh god damn, I hate the games industry. No, you love it really. We all love it, which is why we sit here every week and talk about it for a couple of hours, just as we have done tonight. Um so thank you, Jonesy, for joining me on this wonderful adventure through uh the past week in well, I would like to see the past week in games industry news. We talked about in two news stories, just one of them was Gigantuan. That's the way it goes. It was big. It was very big. Yeah. Well, why'd you say that in such a lurid way? I couldn't help myself. Thank you, mate. Thank you for hosting. Thank you, everyone, for joining us um, as well in the chat. I can still see you guys chatting away, um, and I appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Connor Matthews, who said he'd love to see GTA 6 be announced by a short pr- via a short press release. It should be. And that when that had already happened. Like Rockstar have already put out a tweet and like a thing that's saying, yes, the next GT Grand Theft Auto game is in development. But I think I oh, I was imagining more like from what he said, like it's a, it's almost like when it rather than have the trailer and the, the trailer's coming out in four days as a countdown timer, if they just like put out and go, Oh, it's uh yeah, it, the trailer's coming soon. Like it's done. Yeah. The game's, the game's coming out a bit. 
They should do what they did for Red Dead and just slowly, slowly change their social media profiles. Like first the profile picture, then the cover picture, and then. Bit I bit. I love how big they go. It's like it's brilliant. They they uh, if any if ever there were a company who was great sucking themselves off, it's Rockstar baby. Um, yeah, and if ever there were a podcast that was good at sucking themselves off, it's us. And the best way for you to help us fillet ourselves is by going over to patreon.com forward slash super show. Once again, I'll echo everything that Josie just said. Thank you to everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening, whether you're live in the chat, whether you're on podcasting platforms, whether you're on YouTube. Um, we hope you've had a wonderful time because we have had a wonderful time chatting to you indirectly as though it made, you know, um, I guess that's, it's, that's how I see this. It's like an informal, indirect conversation where you're just sitting there quietly listening because you you like hearing Josie and I converse so much. That's all. I, that's the only reason I can assume that you're still here. And the only reason I can assume you'll be here next week, same place, same time, for more gaming goodness. And until then, have a great week and goodbye, I guess. See ya.